All right, let's pray and let's go. Grant, Lord, with the help of your Spirit, that we come into your presence with reverence and gladness, and our lives are a service acceptable to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. <laughs> Too bad you guys aren't in the fun room. Okay, uh, I had a request for 139. You want to do that? See what happens? Should be plenty to chew on. It's fairly long. So uh, we should have just to run through this, read through, and then see what you think. Now, you know, most of the Psalms, there's a couple things we sort of said to remember when you're reading the Psalms. One is to remember that they're always on Jesus' lips first. So you can think about that as uh, it's on Jesus' lips before it's on your lips. But um, that doesn't mean it's not yours. And then the Psalms are usually read uh, slowly and um, or recited aloud. And uh, the Hebrew way is to say things a couple of times. Um, so you'll, you'll feel some repetition, but the repetition is make, meant to slow you down. It's meant to, meant to draw you in. It's meant to make you think, to give yourself a little space to relax, to have a little Sabbath during your day. So um, you'll hear repetition, but that's, that's okay. And some, sometimes you give depth to what's being said when you do that. So 139, Lord, you've examined me and you know me. You know all, whether I sit down or rise up. You have discerned my thoughts from afar. You have traced my journey and my resting places and are familiar with all my paths. There is not a word on my tongue, but you, Lord, know them all. You have kept a close guard before me and behind and spread your hand over me. Such knowledge is beyond my understanding. So high I cannot reach it. Where can I escape from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I climb up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, again I find you. If I take my flight to the frontiers of the morning or dwell in the limit of the western sea, even there your hand will meet me and your right hand will hold me fast. I say, yeah, I'm sorry, <coughs> if I say, Surely darkness will steal over me, and night will close around me. Darkness is no darkness for you, and night is luminous as day. To thee, both dark and light are one. You it was who fashioned my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for you fill me with awe. You are wonderful, and wonderful are your works. You know me through and through. My body is no mystery to you. How I was secretly kneaded into shape and patterned in the depths of the earth. You saw my limbs unformed in the womb, and in your book they are all recorded. Day by day they were fashioned. Not one of them was late in growing. How deep I find your thoughts, O God. How inexhaustible their themes. Can I count them? They outnumber the grains of the sand. To finish the count, my years must equal yours. O oh God, if you would only slay the wicked, if those men of blood would leave me in peace, those who provoke you with deliberate evil and rise in vicious rebellion against you. How I hate them, O oh Lord, that hate you. I am cut to the quick, when they oppose you, 
I hate them with undying hatred. I hold them all my enemies. Examine me, O God, and know my thoughts. Test me and understand my misgivings. Watch, lest I follow any path that grieves you. Guide me in ancient ways. All right, so there you go. Who, uh, who get, did, uh, that was you responsible for this. You got it. Sorry, no, no apology necessary. Uh, what do you, uh, anything particular you want to go after or have, have a run at? <laughs> so that, yeah, that's one possibility. All right, so uh, you want to do the first part or you want to do the last part first? First part. Yes, that's the pacifist in the group, whoever said <laughs> that. That's well done. All right, so what's the first thing to my, when it comes to mind when you read this? I suspect. Yes, don't be so shy. Yeah, what? Yep. Just for fun. Well, I just don't know, but I'll have to look. <laughs> well, that might be beyond my capacities. Yeah, it could be. Fortunately, none of them, uh, none of them are harmful. Neither of them. So sometimes you have things that are so crazy you just can't quite figure out. Really? Yes. Well, you're uh, clearly not a Hebrew. So, um, you know, the world is a little more flexible than, than we might sometimes think. Um, I praise you. Let's see here. For you fill me with awe. That's what this one says. You have fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. Uh, yes, right. Okay. Um, one of the problems here is that it's not a problem, really. One of the interesting things is the words can mean so many different things. And um, all right, so so I'll praise you. I mean that that sort of works out. You're okay with that, right? I, you know, I'll praise you. It's the word for shooting an arrow. So you send up a praise to the Lord. For I am fearfully is the word. Um, it, it can mean to be afraid, but it can also mean, it's also the word for honor. So this sense of awe, this is all first commandment stuff where you, you know, this is the great argument about whether you can wear jeans to church or not, or whether you vest, or, you know, this is the, this is the same argument. It's, it's the what a friend we have in Jesus versus um, this is the Lord of heaven and earth who shines like fire and everybody has to cover their face. It's transfiguration before and after the revelation. You have this double thing in the Lord that you have to try to make sense of. So at one sense, he's your best friend because he takes flesh just like you and he goes through everything you go through. In another sense, he's wholly other, you know. And if you saw him without his flesh, if you saw him in a way that didn't filter him, he'd burn you to a crisp. That's all in the word uh, fearfully. So fearfully means, it means, you know, in some sense, you have to, you have to hold together love especially love as it comes in human flesh, in the flesh of Christ, you have to hold that together with the divine nature that is from forever and so beyond you that you just, you can't sort of get over it. 
And the way you put those two things together is that that divine consuming fire loves you so that it takes flesh for you. So that's, and it's kind of interesting then that it goes to conception and, and time spent in the womb. Because um, that's, you see, is the great comfort that happens for Jesus and that it happens for you. So fearfully is just, um, it doesn't mean you have to be scared, but it, it's sort of the way we approach the altar, which is there should be kind of an, a, a relaxed elegance or an easy reverence. You know, what we want to do, I mean, part of the reason we vest, part of the reason we bow, part of the reason we never go inside the chancel rail without bowing first, but then once we bow, we get to work. Um, it's the double thing of you're entering the presence of God, and people have been destroyed for touching the Ark of the Covenant when they weren't a priest, for example. So you have to hold that on the one side, but on the other side, you have to hold together Christmas and Easter, where Everything that happens, happens for your good and not for your ill. All that is tied up in fearfully, you know, that's all gone on. Um, and the word wonderfully um, is actually the word distinct. So it's, it's, a, it's a word that, that means that you're, you're separated from, you're extraordinarily unique. So there's only one like you, and heaven will be a poorer place if you're not there. So this great rejoicing. You see that you have to hold these two things together. You're a damn sinner, but there's only one damn sinner like you, and you weren't meant for that. And so you, you sort of rejoice. And so I praise you that at the end of the day, there's just one like me. You cared enough to make just one like me. There's no other copies. And that you come near enough to me um, that you strengthen me to do the right thing. You know, your work's marvelous and my soul's no right. To be honest with you, I don't know, um, I don't know how they got to, uh, I'll praise you, you fill me with awe. It was verse 14, right? You know, I don't know how they got to this. It's probably, there's probably an alternate reading in the Hebrew somewhere that they chose that was a better one. But this is quite the common reading. Your works are marvelous and my soul knows right. So... Um, 18, yeah, I mean, this is just kind of rhetorical. How can I, how can I number your thoughts? Um, I'd have to live as long as you did if I was going to number your thoughts. It's, it's just to say, like, this is inexpressible. You know. The second half of 14 or 18? All right. They outnumber the grains of the sand. To finish the count, my years must equal yours. And what is your say? When I awake, I'm still with you. Yeah, I mean, I just, again, um, you know how this works. I, I'm, I think you've, I, I want to say this without shaking you out of your a sense that, um, that the text is utterly reliable. Also, I'll pause this. Let me just pose a bigger question first. Do you believe in the Bible because you believe in Jesus, or do you believe in Jesus because you believe in the Bible? Does that make sense? A little too fast? <clears throat> Which one do you believe first, Jesus or the Bible? Thank you. This is often a, this is often a, seminary guys almost often don't get their lines right before they come out. And, you know, the, in the Missouri Senate, this whole, and in fact, you're still feeling the pinch of it sometimes, this whole thing about the inspired and errant word of God. Yeah, I mean, but first Jesus. There was a Jesus before there was a scripture. There was a word who was the second person of the Trinity before there was a word written on a page. Okay? So this is 
this is just kind of to comfort you a little bit. Um, so first there's Christ, who is the Word, okay? And he has a, a viva vox. We've done this before. He has a viva vox, a living voice that's given to you by the Holy Spirit, okay? And that, that living voice then gets recorded in Scripture. And then what we say is, um, the first copy was um, perfect. Now you'd have to kind of figure out how that works and how there's back and forth. And, but then you remember, um, I hope, um, so then you get scripture, and in your first copy, uh, that's utter perfection. And somehow you have to figure out uh, how, so let's say you're the writer, the Holy Spirit comes to you, and away you go. But you, you would, if there, was a, if there was the Gospel of Leslie, it would be different from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It would have some reflection of who you were. This is a frightening thought, isn't it? It'd probably be funnier. <laughs> There'd probably be little cryptic, double entendre things going on. Okay, and then you see, uh, this is just an aside, then there are copies. After this, there are copies. Now, the cool thing was, um, they used to take making their copies very seriously. So what you'd have, if you needed to make, you know, originally, this is what, originally you had one letter from Paul, and then they would, or one letter to Isaiah, and then they would make copies. This is what makes things like the Dead Sea Scrolls so interesting, because you can see what parts they copied and didn't copy, and what they got wrong and right. But when they'd sit in a room and copy, there was actually a liturgy. You'd go in the room, and you would vest, like a pastor vests for, for, for going to the altar, and then there was a liturgy. They would say prayers, and then they would sit, and they'd begin to write. And there were two ways. Sometimes somebody would read, and sometimes people would have a text in front of them, and they would copy. And so, so my favorite game, I'm going to be rich, don't steal this, even though Abby has tried to steal this already. Yes, it's true, but I'm going to write a book. I, actually, I'm going to have a reality show called What Did Kirby Hear? Okay. <laughs> Now here's the thing about my wife. She's this is a great sadness, although we've learned to um, we've learned to deal with it. Kirby had a little virus that took away her smell, taste, and hearing ten years ago, and so. Um, but this makes for great comedy at our house, because I'll say, um, "Did you let the dog out?" And she'll say something like, "Did the Dow go up a hundred points?" I mean, it'll be. You know, uh, or there were, there were actually some good ones last night at dinner. We had a series of good ones, which probably can't be repeated in this room. But, I mean, there is just like, you would think that we didn't even know each other. Well, Abby wants to turn this into a children's book now, and she's <laughs> going to get rich on this because it's going to be, it'll, it'll be great. But I could have a reality show. I would just sit on a couch, and I'd have people talk to each other. I'd have people talk to Kirby. And the thing is, it's hilarious. I mean, I would just have to sit there. I could make millions of dollars on this. So that sometimes happens when they copied the text, when people would read it, and then, you know, they'd get it wrong. So the way you explain where we're going with this is sometimes you get one line and then another line, and, and people who do this for a living have to figure out which one's the better line. So these guys apparently made some different decisions. That shouldn't shake any of your um, confidence in the Viva Vox. Uh, at the biggest points of Scripture, there are no great discrepancies. For example, on Easter morning, everybody agrees there wasn't hair or blood or bones in the tomb. Uh, those kinds of things. The things are normally fairly small, fairly low level. So, anyway, don't don't worry about it too much, and kind of enjoy it if you want. What else? Anything else going?
It's hard for me to be sassy after you say that. <laughs> I had a, a sassy answer all teed up about being late, and now I can't use it. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. It, he does love you in a way that you can hardly imagine. Um, you know me, and you examine. Here's the here's the fun thing too. Um, you know, I was I was looking up some of these verbs, kind of prepping for you. Um, the verbs are so much fun because here's what I, I was afraid you were going. Nobody went, but I'm so ready for this in Wheaton, where everybody thinks there's you know there's this thing called hard determinism. You know, I've I've done this for you a thousand times, but it's very popular in Wheaton, where you think you're born, and then the Lord chalks out a line, and then you die. You know, and you're basically powerless, you know, because the Lord knows everything, and therefore, you know, you couldn't possibly make a choice. Or, and then, you know, if you, you know, if that's your line, and you end up over here, then you go straight to hell. And if you end up over here, you went straight to heaven. And texts like this are often used. This, you know me, and then people make the assumption they don't make the distinction between knowing and causing. Knowing and causing. Knowing is not causing. Right. It just absolutely is not the same thing. I've often give you, given you the, you know, the example of standing on the corner here and watching two cars about to crash. You know they're going to crash. You can see them coming, and they crash. You knew it, but you didn't cause it. Well, what's interesting is these, and so this kind of a verse is often used for a very hard determinism in your life, which I don't find particularly com- comforting or particularly responsible. But look at this. Lord, you have examined me and you know me. Okay. Um, is that what you have? You've searched me and know me? Is that what you probably have? So you've, you've ser- I'm, I'm reading verse 1. I'm sorry. No, no. Sorry. Yeah, 130. Yeah, right. I'm just, uh, yes, there you go. Hold on. Got to get to the right one. Um, for some reason, oh, Lord, you've searched me. And you know me. Hmm. Suddenly my computer switched over to the Hebrew side, so now it's all mixed up. Oh, Lord, you search me, and you know me. Um, You know whether I sit down. Right. And when I rise. That's right. You've... um, Now, the fun thing about these is... The, the, the verbs aren't quite as um, hard nose. You search me and you know me. Know um, can also mean learn to know. It can mean you sort of watch me and you see me. So one of the things is is that um, the reason the Lord knows your future is because he knows everything that's in you. And so the Lord knows um, what your next move will be, not because he makes that your next move, but because he knows you so thoroughly. Does that make sense? There's a difference. Right? That also means that you can change, and that also means your future could change. So you're a horrible person, and then suddenly you get exposed to Christ in the Eucharist. That changes you, and now the Lord knows something different about you. So people are always so verklempt about the Lord changing his mind or people change in course. It happens all the time because the Lord is a real person and he reacts to you. You act, he acts. It's like 
um, a mother and a child or, or a husband and a wife. Your relationship is not static. It's, um, it's sort of back and forth. So you, you've examined me and you know me. You know what's inside. You know when I sit up uh, 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 and, and uh, when I go down. Um, you've discerned my thoughts from afar. Um, discern is, you, you've considered them. You, you've understood me. So part of this, actually, Mary, it, Mary, it, it's, a, it's actually a much even gentler translation than it seems because what it means is the Lord is always watching you and he's always listening to what you think. And it, this, this has a sense of, and he understands you. So you and I do really stupid stuff sometimes. The, the Lord actually understands you. It's a, it's a great kindness, right? You've traced my journey and my resting places. You're familiar with all my paths. There's not a word on my tongue, but you know them, Lord. And then this very comforting thing. And, and part of, yes, please. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, right. So he knows what you're going to say next. But he doesn't make you say it. Yes, right, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, good, yes. There, yes, right. But the, but the great comfort is in the next bit where he, nevertheless he stands by you. This is strikingly comforting. I mean, he knows you for all your worth. There's a lot of good in you. And then occasionally we get the, you know, what pops out. And that's true for all of us, right? And then nevertheless, um, he still stands guard by you. This is crazy stuff. I mean, this is, this is the Lord as your best friend. Now, we've gone in five verses. We've gone from the Lord being, you know, this burning presence that, that if you touch him when you're not told to touch him, boom, you're dead, to he knows you're a damn sinner and he still stands by you. He knows what you're going to do. I mean, this is very much like a loving parent, I think, which is you know your kids are going to do something stupid. You, you can't control them because you can't stay, you know, you, you just can't watch them 24 hours a day. You do the best you can with them. And then... When they do something stupid, it's verse 5. You still stand by them. You keep a close guard before me and behind. You put your hand over the top of me. And then verse 6. I actually can't understand this. Isn't that nice? I can't understand how you love me so much. Yeah. Hem me in is very nice. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yes, right. Uh, in the right circumstances, right, yes. Uh, yes, so maybe not on the stairs, right. Yes, that's right. In spite of you, right? You have me in behind before you lay your hand upon me. Beset me. I'm trying to figure this up. Well, it's interesting. This, it's tesur, which is it means that you can, in your dog's case, the Hebrew word can mean cramp, as in cramp your style. Yes, right, exactly. Uh, it's also the word for when you besiege a city. 
so that's the, that's like, <coughs> the, it can have a negative connotation. But it, but it also does mean, you know, it means to surround. So if you're, if you're so it's a, you know, if your enemies surround you, one thing, and if your friends surround you, it's quite another. So you, you hem me in behind before, right? And there, there are benedictions like that. Go behind me, go before me, stay by my side, walk with me, right? Isn't that nice? And then, of course, you know, where can I escape from your spirit? Verse 7, where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, I think Gaining has taken you through Sheol a couple of times, but it's this disputed territory of what happens to people before, after they die. Um, I spent, it was a larger issue before Christ. Um, there was this, the suggestion that there was this place where souls go. Not a place of pain, certainly, but not a place of ultimate fulfillment. And then when Christ ascended to the dead, uh, one of the explanations is that he goes and gathers those people up and they get the full experience of the heaven, of heaven at the point of the cross. You know this? You know how it works? Kind of through. Have you seen this before? You have. You haven't? He did, yeah. So you, had, you sort of have this... The, the sense is that you, you sort of you sort of not all the way there until the crucifixion, and then at the crucifixion, which is the, the, the point, the single point around which all history revolves, uh, Christ gathers that up. You know, it's, a, it's, um, it's disputed territory. In fact, Val Gady brought a, brought a crucifix over yesterday that she was going to put up for the kids next door, but that I thought would frighten them. So we said, not that one. But it's very common... It's very common in an iconic crucifix, especially a Greek one, which you know because it uh, you know, has a third little bit on the bottom. But it's very common in an iconic crucifix that right here, there'll be a skull. You seen this? And it's very common in an icon of the resurrection. The skull actually becomes Adam and Eve, and they're actually kind of... There's usually a key. There are doors that are broken. There's a key line there, which means he kind of clicked the door open. He broke the doors down and they're about to come out. So it's a very common theme. When you see that um, at the bottom of a crucifix, that's the story they're telling you. It's a, it's a happy story. It's not a sad story. And then, of course, the ancient tradition that Adam was buried at the same place, at Golgotha, right, which was also the place that um, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, right? So you have this tradition that Adam was buried in the same place that Isaac was sacrificed, in the same place that Jesus was crucified. And then, of course, the ancient tradition is they didn't move him very far, so he actually sort of died and rose in the same place. You know, you can argue about that if you want. Um, it's a fun story. Somebody came to me last week and asked me about, you know, did you read the story about St. Francis on the front of the bulletin last week? Yeah. So there were some people who liked it, and there were some people who didn't like it. Um, and then what was the point of the story? So I'll just ask you, you know, what's the point of giving you that story? What was the story about? Anybody remember? It was about a wolf. Good. Right. And so, good. And then the villagers took care of him. So, so why did we give you that story? I mean, and... You know, so why did we give you that story? What do you think that people said why we gave you that story? What's, what's, been, the, what's been the reply this week? <laughs> Thank you very much. Right. Good, and what's the... Right. 
At the most basic level, what's the story about? What's the story about? It's a parable. So what we weren't trying to do is get you to worship saints, for the record. Uh, what we were trying to do, I know, you should sit in my office. Um, what we were trying to do, at the most basic level, what was that story about? It's about loving your enemies. The people hate the wolf. The wolf hates the people. The pastor shows up. The pastor speaks the word of God. The word of God's so powerful that, it, that the wolf not only understands and speaks back, but he agrees to it and is reconciled with his enemies. It's a story about hating the people who hate you. and loving, It's about loving your enemies. That's what the story's about. You know, you can believe it or not believe it. What? No, it wasn't about worshiping the saints. It was about loving your enemies. There's an enemy. How do you care for your enemy? You, you go to him. You speak to him. You reconcile to him. You love him. You care for him. And they live happily ever after. Amen. It's a story about loving people. Yes, it is, actually. It is about loving you. It's about getting along with your enemies based on the word of God. And somebody who's brave enough, the only guy in town who will go out and do this is a St. Francis, who by tradition, where do you always see the statue of St. Francis? Where do you see it? St. Mike's has one, as you wander by, I think. Yeah, you bird feeder. Why? Okay, good. Bird feeders, where else? He's always in your garden, right? Why is he in your garden? That's right. And why is he a friend of the birds and animals? He was a wise man. He ran out of people. These people got tired. He's, here's the thing. He loves everybody so much. He, still, he runs out of people. He's still got the gospel going. So what does he do? He preaches to the birds and the bees and the wolves because the gospel's got such a, such a juice on him. By the way, do you know what the St. Clair, the patron saint, Claire, the patron saint, do you know what that is? She's the patron saint of what? The Eucharist. It's a little different. We had a different resolution with the coyotes, Betty. Yes, we did. Although we should have sent you. See, this would have been, you know. Although there could have been a, well, yeah, anyway, we'll just keep going. Okay. So, right? What did I see? Now, I didn't say, I think that I might have said, though, no, now, I think that is, I think that is what I said, yes. So there will be animals there. Here's the thing, man. We're not sending you along with a watch, okay? So you know, it's all going to work out for you. You know, have you been to the, we're taking the dog to the, and there's going to be some time in the waiting. The dog goes today for all her stuff. You know, it's cheaper to have a kid. I mean, it really is. Absolutely. I mean, having a dog is just like, you might as well put money in a pile and burn it. Okay, but here's the thing. Someday, someday, I mean, Eden was filled with animals. I have every expectation. I just, whether, you know. All creation is redeemed. It'd be a poor place without cats, would it not? Yeah, I got a dog. Why? Well, it sleeps on my pillow at night. As we have a ritual. I get up at 6 o'clock, and in the, we pass in the dark. And then when I come back, the dog's on my pillow like this. 
As in, it's not enough just to sleep on your pillow. Could you scratch my belly now? You know what? I, I'm just trying to get along with everybody, okay? If the dog wants to sleep on my pillow, I could care less. Just, like, make yourself comfortable. Yeah, you know, the district is always looking for new programs. All right. You never know. There's there's not going to be any good that comes out of that. I'd rather go to confession. That's a great great point. All right, let's let's go to the wicked part and see if you can do anything with that. You know, 19. So so you have this great great kindness, and God's always there, and he knows you're a bum, but you're his bum, so he's before and behind, and he wraps you up like a dog over at, uh, you know, the Adam's house, and it couldn't be better. I mean, life couldn't be better. How much better can it be than that? So why, why verse 19? Oh God, if you'd only slay the wicked, um, if men of blood would just leave me in peace, those who provoke you with deliberate evil and rise in vicious rebellion against you, how I hate them, O oh Lord. Yeesh. Um, how I hate them, O oh Lord, that hate you. I'm cut to the quick when they oppose you. I hate them with undying hatred. I hold them all my enemies. This can go wrong, I would guess, in more than a thousand ways. You know, how are you there, big boy? Good to see you. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that can, that can happen to a guy. Especially as you grow older and more feeble. People take advantage of you. Um, now, what are we going to do with this? Yeah, okay. And, you know... That, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, hold, yeah, because that, that, that's going to be the next thing to talk about. So let's, let's we got to leave some time for that, okay? Because that's a, how did, just, but just how does this strike you? You know? <laughs> so there's, there's one possibility there. So we had, there was only going to be 150 psalms, and he had 151, so he jammed this little first psalm. <laughs> Into that. Okay, that's one possibility. That's how scholarship works. Okay, that's one possibility. Is there any other possible thing we might say? So it could be that you just got a sinful blurt coming out. Hold that thought. Go ahead. You feeling my pain here? <laughs> okay. There you go. So that would be the opposite of... So one thing is he had a little extra bit that was completely unconnected. Another, another possibility is that um, it's completely connected. That is, this is the guy's context. You know, so he's trying to calm himself down. What do you do when you're utterly destroyed? You remember what the Lord has done for you. Okay, remember, memory, remembering is a synonym for faith in the Old Testament, in the New Testament too. Okay. This do in remembrance of me, right? So this is remember, to remember how good the Lord has been to you in tough times. That's faithfulness. Look, this is really, this just hurts like crazy right now. But you did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you did that, and you were with me, and you knew me, and you hemmed me in, and you were for me, and you weren't against me, and so it's possible this is completely connected. So one possibility is disconnected. One possibility is connected. Another possibility is... So 
So another possibility is that Jesus is talking, and um, that makes a good sense. And then another possibility would be? Good. So, or it doesn't have a question mark, so let me rephrase your, let me make an assertion out of your question, which would be, how about finishing up here? Sweep in the corners too, okay? Right? Okay, so that's one possibility. So just hold that. That's the first two. So if you would slay the wicked, it's just the generic word for evil or criminal. Just sort the evil out, put them in a line, and let them have it. But um, what do you do with what do you do with twenty one? Yeah, but you're such a nice woman. Um, do you really? Can you really say honestly? I'm just I'm just and this is this is an honest question. Can you really say, man, I really hate them? And get and still be a Christian. No, I mean, love your enemies and do good to those that hate you. So I'm just. This is a live question. Good. Okay, but but hold that because actually, and I just just you know I feel the same way. I feel this is an extraordinarily difficult thing to say because of actually what Barb raised in just a minute. Because here's the thing: when you say, "So search me and see how I'm doing," what are you afraid of? Same thing I'm afraid of? What are you afraid of? Search me and see how I'm doing. What's going to be the answer? Yeah, you're somewhere in the 61st percentile, right? So, I mean, there might not be a good answer when you search me and find out how I'm doing. Okay, so let's just... There you go. I mean, how does this all balance? Well, we have to ask Mary because she asked. But she asked for this psalm. She's the one who's putting the... Shouldn't I be? Shouldn't I be hating those who hate you? That, that's that's very nicely said. You know. Is it maybe the same that um, hate our father and mother and brother and? Boy, that would be curious if that was the same word, wouldn't it? <laughs> I may not be good enough to figure because that out. Because when you start looking at this yeah. section, it's the person is asking God. Right. Not saying I want to do it until you get down here. Then it almost sounds like, you know, I hate them with my complete hatred. But is this psalm saying to us that God does all these wonderful things for us, and we have a responsibility to look at His creation and hate the evil that's going on in that creation? Good. That we need to take a stand as a Christian. Right. And hate those things that God hates. Okay. And, and not be wishy washy and just kind of let them go. Okay. So, long ago, far away, we talked about this most simple definition of faith as agreeing with God. So, if God loves something, you love it. And if God hates something, you hate it. That's a very good and, and what you've said, I can I can completely be on board with all of that. But it's the practice that gets to me. Right? In practice. It is actually the same word, just so you know. Hate your mother and father. It is it's uh Maseo, which is to detest abhor hate. So that's interesting. Okay, so faith agrees with God.
That means if God loves it, you need to love it, and if God hates it, you need to hate it. What's the practical problem in that? Uh, well, he does hate things that are evil. There you go. The practical problem is actually is putting tags on people. Yeah, so we began by saying God knows everything. He sees inside everybody. The difference between you and God is that God can see inside people's hearts, and he gets it right every time. So in God's world, it's very clear who the good and the evil are. My suggestion that is in your world, in my world, the jury may still be out, right? Now here's the thing. There is, um, there, there are, you know, get, wasn't the gospel last week? No, it wasn't. Sometime this week at the Eucharist, the gospel was by the, fruit, by, by the fruits you know them. I think it must have been the gospel on Tuesday. So you do know some things. And, and we can't throw up our hands and say, well, we can never tell what's good and what's evil, right? We can't do that. But I am reluctant. So now this was your question about do I hate my enemies, right? Or no man is my enemy. I've been trying to convince you of that for a month or so, that you don't have any enemies. <clears throat> but I've been trying to work with you in a very practical way. My great nervousness is that we chalk the lines too early in our lives. And if I was going to ask you, you know, in general in society and also in the church, in general, Mary, this is your initial question before everybody else, or initial statement before everybody else came down this morning. If, you're a, if you would say in general, society and even in the church, is the church marked by lovers or haters, your answer would be? I hope it would be lovers. But many people's experience church as haters, right? Mm-hmm. We, um, we, and that, that we can't even give a clear answer to that sort of tells us about ourselves a little bit. Because when Christianity goes wrong, Christianity is about, well, what's, I, sh- I, shouldn't, I should ask. Yeah, it's about being good. <laughs> but Christianity is not about you being good. It's about, well, it's not, yeah, about somebody else being good. Not exactly where I was going. <coughs> Christianity is about Christ being good to you. And then after he's good to you, it's about you being good to each other. But it's not about being good, because then it becomes pietism, and then you have the ins and the outs. You have the goods and the evil. You have people who are welcome and people who are unwelcome. People who are true, people who are false. People who are your friend, people who are your enemy. And wait for the, wait for the Old Testament lesson, which is from Acts during the Easter season this week, the first two lessons are all about barriers being overcome. About you think there's ins and you think there's outs, and the resurrection sweeps away the barrier. That doesn't mean we can't ever distinguish between what's good and evil. I just, just personally, I just, want to be, I just want you to be very careful before you pray against somebody, before you decide to hate somebody, before you decide to label somebody evil. You've got to be very good very faithful, and frankly, the way we talked in Bible study from the Eighth Commandment, you got to be put in a position to do that. And if you're not put in a position to do that, you should be extraordinarily reticent about it. Please. Yeah. Yep. 24? Yeah, good. Right. That's one way you can read it. Oh, good. Yeah. 
Did you say hard or heart? Heart. heart. Actually, you're not, actually. It is because it is the word you're actually quoting there is, is the word to examine, prove, test, try. Sift is the New Testament word, which is you tell the difference between something that's true and something that's false. So it's all kind of in there. And no is the same word from the first verse, by the way. It's exactly the same word, yada. So let me ask you this. I mean, this is for all of you, not just for Carol. When you write that, does that frighten you to say that? Examine me, O Lord, and know my thoughts. Test me. Which is, expect me to the very last cell, every last millimeter of me. Look at every last thought. Good. So what would be the yes be and what would be the no be? A very good Lutheran law and gospel answer, by the way, there. Right. And, 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 yeah, good. This is very much like confession and absolution, is it not? You actually say, um, in confession and absolution, you say, you know, um, from, oh Lord, from whom, to whom all things are known and from whom no secrets are hid. That's actually, there's a prayer from Thomas Cramner that's based on this psalm, and that prayer is brought into private confession, right? Oh Lord. You know, you know everything from, from whom no secrets are hid. So in one sense, it takes a great amount of courage to say this. You have to, but, so, so it's a very good prayer. Now let me, let me ask you this. So how are you going to tie that back to the hateful part without being, a, without being pietistic or better than the next person? That's, that seems to me to be the practical difficulty. It's very easy in a church to rally ten people you know and take the moral high ground against other people. It seems to me. I mean, at kind of at any place where there's a coffee pot, you can find ten people to agree with you. And one of the things that's most easy to agree on is that you all are good and you all are bad, right? Of course, if you're in the coffee pot on this side of the room, it's you just switch the table. <laughs> right? Thank you. Now, I th that must be closer to the answer somehow. Right. You do the best you can in life. So you try to discern. And just so you know, discern, the word discern here means just the difference between this and that. I mean, I'll give you a practical example. Um, people often ask about kids coming to the supper in this congregation, and then they always quote us the discern, you have to discern the supper. The word dis the, is discernal just means you can tell this or that. It means you can tell the difference between peanut butter and jelly and macaroni and cheese on your secular table. So if you can say to a kid, do you want the peanut butter jelly or the macaroni and cheese? And they can tell the difference and make a choice. That's discerno. That's discerning. So if you say to a kid, do you know the difference between macaroni and cheese and the body and blood? And the kid goes, yeah, this is macaroni and cheese, and that's the body and blood. That's discerning. It's not a very high bar. It's actually recognizing. It's being able to tell the difference between A and B. That's what discerno is here. Same with this. Please. Yeah, I think it is. I th I, it, must, it has to be tied to wisdom, because uh, I'll just ask you, now you're getting older, you're 29, 30 years old, so you've been <laughs> around a while. So let me just ask you, what are, the, what are the, some of the components of biblical wisdom? Just to say it, don't even think about it. What would you say, wis you know what wisdom is. If you were to say, well, how would you describe a wise person? Describe Barb for me. If you say she's a wise person, what do you mean? A Christian wise person. What would you say? Or pick somebody here. It, w it would be discerning, but I think there's other elements, like patience, for example, doesn't jump to a quick conclusion. 
yeah, you gotta, you got you, you pay attention to the spirit a little bit. You listens. Yeah, you're patient. You don't get to a quick conclusion. Let me ask you this. I'm, I'm kind of looking around here. Maybe part of the answer is whether you can. Um, I wonder if you can in Psalm, and this may go to Sunday. Verse 21. I wonder if you can hate without anger. Yes. Right. Well, that's very good, because what you've said, I think, is then, so God defines these things that he hates, right? But God actually defined those things, which is very different from you defining it, right? So when God tells you we hate something, um, you need to hate it too, but can you hate it matter-of-factly, you see? Can you hate it without anger? Can you hate it? You've got to have friends who... You've got to have friends who are uh, caught in perpetual, habitual, regular sin. You've got to have friends like that. Come on, don't you have any friends like that? You've got to have some. I don't actually need to name the stuff for you. You've got to have friends like that. They're still your friends, are they not? So you hate that particular thing about them. They're not faithful to their spouse, but that's your brother and you're still, or you're, you just pick some stuff. I hate to give you the laundry list of easy things to, to, you know, but just, I would suggest to you all the time, go ahead. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Which is the advantage of the parent being 29 or 30, right? Because wisdom with forbearance and patience. Yeah, they do, actually, and that's actually one thing, that is actually a true thing. I've seen that in times we have a good, if you will, a good kid and a bad kid, and the parents are much more indulging of the bad kid than the good kid is, because what the good kid, what's the lament of the good kid? He gets all the attention, and this isn't fair. This isn't fair, right? And the, the parent's last impulse is to worry about being fair, right? What the parent is worried about is the life of the kid. Fairness just falls way down the list somewhere, you see? So my nervousness about this, i just tell you, I mean, we're getting close to the end. My nervousness about this, if, if the Lord says, I hate that, okay, then I hate it. If these words are on Jesus' lips, and he says, I hate that, and from time to time he does, okay, then I hate it. But if it's not the Lord himself or Christ himself saying, hate that, I think you've got to be very reluctant to hate things or people. You've got to be very reluctant to pray against other people. You know, I've... I very rarely give the Lord instruction about things, you know. I very rarely suggest to him what he ought to be doing. I mean, and it's pretty much limited to if one of you are dying in the hospital. You know, we bless you towards your healing, but in the back of my head, which is unspoken, which is death is your ultimate healing, so even that I can escape. I very rarely tell the Lord what he should do. I do often pray, you know, that, that evil would, you know, shrivel up like dust and blow away with the wind. But that's not to hate somebody, that's to love somebody. That's to make it move out of the neighborhood so that we can love together. So just be very careful, I think, about identifying. And I even, and I guess if you'd pray the last two verses of the psalm, you should probably pray them in the way of private confession, which is, okay, here I am, have a good look at me, in the way that you you know, I don't know what women are like going to the doctor, but men are horrible going to the doctor. One, they don't go, and two, they don't tell the truth. Uh, how many drinks do you have every day? Every day? 
You know, I might have a pop at a bar mitzvah or a baptism, but you know, let's, you know. I mean, you know, so this is all, this is sort of, if you could read this about agreeing with God and then about truth telling, I think it might be more beneficial to you. You know, have a good look at me. I got things that, I got things in, inside me that even I don't know about. If you could just have a good look at me and if you could, if you could extract those, even though I know that that extraction is going to be painful and probably mean my life left to change and I'll have to relearn some things and, you know. I wonder if you could think about it rather than this be an excuse to hate. I wonder if you could, I wonder if we could think about it that way. So, just be careful. Just be careful with this one. And I think it does. I, I'd be more of the connected side. I think the connected side is maybe it's coming out of a pain. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I wonder, is it possible? Well, you, you do have you do seem to have a third party, and because it's it's you know other another person, you know, hate those who provoke you. However, I think you're right in the sense that. Right. I just think you know praying against somebody else is to pray against yourself. I mean, if you really want justice, if you really want everybody smitten who has any deep-seated secret sin, if you, I mean, you might as well stand right up next to him because the Lord is coming for you too. If you really want an anti-merciful way. So I, I'm actually right with you. If you, when you pray against somebody else, man, there's an arrogance in, in identifying somebody else as evil. And if you pray against generic evil, you should be, you should be, you should realize that you're praying against yourself as well because you probably have it in you. And if you think you don't have it in you, you should probably check your you should probably check yourself for pride. This is just a very hard thing. So I just if you read this psalm, if you pray this psalm, I would just suggest to you that you pray it in great humility, in deep humility. Um, it doesn't mean we don't have standards, it doesn't mean we don't identify things as evil. But it does mean we sort of engage things with a bit of wisdom and patience and forbearance and, you know, long-suffering and turn the other cheek and love your enemies and go silently to the cross and understand there's a resurrection someday. I think, I think all that is tied up in this. Because that, in fact, is the paradigm if Jesus speaks this song before you do. So just be careful with other people if you can. And, be, and also be careful with yourself. We haven't talked much about this, but, you know, you should be careful with yourself too because this can be a pretty... Well, if you're too hard on yourself, my suggestion is you read the first 18 verses again and again and again, right? And you'll notice in this that there's, there's only about five verses of tough stuff, and there's about 20 verses of really good stuff, right? Which sort of tells you something about this division of mercy and judgment. You don't need much judgment, you know, but you need a ton of mercy. So. It ends in mercy. It starts and ends in mercy. It absolutely does. And hopefulness, right? So guide me on the path. Take care of me. Don't let me get off the, you know, don't let me... Don't let me you're hemming me in. Don't, if you see me starting to stray, give me a little nudge, right? Make sense? So, yeah, Ziggy's a border collie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're exactly right. Okay, anything else? You got time to go next week? Still going? All right, you'll let me know when you don't want to go anymore. If you have, a, thank you very much for the suggestion. Um, we've got a psalm or two up our sleeves, but we'd be willing to do one that you like. Um, or that you're interested in, so just have a go. Okay, all good? All right, let's pray and let's go. Thank you. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.